Hello, everybody, and welcome back to some interseason goodness from Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, is Matthew Stogden. Hello, how are you? I'm, I'm good, thanks. How Not are you? you, you fucking idiot, the audience. God forbid somebody asks me how I am. I know how you are. No, you don't. Nobody We've does. We've been talking for like an hour. <laughs> Behind the scenes, we, we start recording as soon as we start talking. That's the rules. We're in our smoking jackets. <laughs> and cravats. And speaking of smoking jackets and cravats, also as always, joining us is Tim Matum. You can't handle the truth. Ooh. Interesting. Interesting. That implies we can tell the truth through these answers. Well, yeah, exactly. Speaking of answers, this is the return of listener feedback. It comes around... Once every interseason, once in a blue moon. <laughs> is this the third time we've done it now? Fourth time? This is the fourth, fourth. Q&A Wow, we've done. okay. That's... But the third with... Actually, no. Technically, the second with Tim. Because yes. I wasn't here for the last one. Tim wasn't on. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, all three of us are back. We have taken questions from both Twitter, emails, and the Discord. A few things to get through, and let's get stuck in. Let's not mess about. There's no... Bad sequels to be fixing, but there might be some games to play and films to discuss later on, so let's get stuck in. And let's kick off with a name most of the listeners are probably already familiar with. One of our executive producers, Mr. Jonathan Firth-Clark. <laughs> Hold the applause. <laughs> he submitted it via Discord, and he says, when and if you guys do do remakequalizers and also... Fuck you, John. It's requalizers. Come on. <laughs> Remakequalizers. Come on. Doo-doo. Will you be doing your versions of shitty remakes? Pitching a remake of a film that you feel should have one, or a combination of both? How do you decide which content goes into an in-season and which goes on Patreon? Like the trailer episode, for example. You slot it into either one really easily. Is there one film you guys refuse to sequelize? I don't mean a good film, but one you so genuinely awful you'd just say, Fuck no, not that again. Not after Son of the Mask. So let's tackle these one at a time. Thank you, first of all, for the question, John. Thank you. Uh, for requalizers, if and when we ever do that, are we going to be doing versions of shitty remakes, pitching a remake of a film we should have one, we think should have one, or both? I think the answer is the first one, fixing shitty yeah. remakes, because fixing, yeah. fixing bad blanks is basically what we do. So, mm. yeah. The, the, the interseason discussion of sequel we'd like to see is its own separate entity. It's not part of the main series, could, so I'd say in the same way we'd... Remake we want to see, I guess, but yeah. Yeah, at some point, so. Yeah. I mean, there's... The real colour is what... Uh, sorry. The real question is, what colour would it be? It would be like a two with an R in it, but what colour would it be? <laughs> Blue? Green? Who the fuck knows? Mm, I'll have to wait and find out. <laughs> and we'll find out when John just picks a colour and is like, see? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like pitching remakes of films is... There's so many films out there, even good films, that we would be like, ah, oh, but I'd like to see it done with, like, just change that thing and, like, you know, that actor, you know, it's got Kevin Spacey in, so let's remake it with a new cast and so we don't have to oh, feel okay. guilty with it kind of thing or, you know, whatever. Give um, them 100 million more dollars and see what happens. Yeah, um, whereas... <laughs> Remakes, at least it, it it concentrates us on a limited pool of, of what there is, and there's plenty out there uh, in terms of remakes that shouldn't have happened or could have been done in a more interesting way. The other one that'd be interesting is 
do we include remakes that turn out to actually be sort of sequels like that the trailer for recently for the craft has gone up and it's like oh it's a remake no wait that's acknowledgement of the original so wait is this a sequel as well as a remake mm. what is this soft reboot what, what is this <laughs> so yeah they'll they'll be the the classic thing like with the prequels does this qualify as anything yeah next question from john was how do you decide which content goes into in season and what goes on patreon the answer to that is we kind of just pick it and see what happens we've got <laughs> some things that are obviously set on patreon and some things that are set on the in season like we wouldn't do a q a episode like this just for patreon this is an in season thing so mm. this gets kind of now locked in that position i suppose and same for the what we watched recently is also a patreon exclusive thing so that's going to mm -hmm. stick on patreon but in terms of like topics for films and things like that there's nothing that particularly determines it we kind of Usually one or two of us will come up with the rough structure for an entire season or an entire interseason, and then the other two will be like, mm, no, actually, I think we should do this, or maybe that should be episode five instead of episode ten, or, oh, we had the idea for that. We were talking about that the other week. How about we swap that in instead? Or, oh, that's topical. Mm -hmm. Maybe we put that in instead. So mm -hmm. there's no real rhyme or reason to it. It's just kind of a trial by committee kind of thing between the three of us. It's the same as the as the main seasons. We have a long master list of suggestions. Much, we have a yeah. conversation and we sort of hash it out. Like, to be fair... We live and die by our Google Docs, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we do. We do. We, it used to be in a notepad <laughs> that only one of us used to have oh, for some reason. Oh, God. And now it's, you know, a shared document because it's much more organised that way. So, yeah, conversation. <laughs> and lastly, is there one film you guys refuse to sequelize? I can't think no. of it. I, I think there's there are films that we wouldn't bother doing, but none of them because they're so like notoriously bad. They're just because they'd be kind of like too obscure and no one would care about them, kind of stuff. Like it's the non non qualifier, isn't it? Yeah. It's like oh well, well we can't really. In the same way when we did um, Too Fast, Too Furious, it's like do we do this because it kind of fixes itself? Mm. Do we do quantum of solace? Do we bother? That kind of thing. It's like, again, part of that conversation, we just tend to say, yeah. But with the thing is, I don't think we've ever shut anything down. We're definitely not going to cover this at all. Yeah. There's no way. The only time we've done that is when somebody has suggested something and then we all go, do we, we all like that film though, right? And we all go, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly it. And I, I'm worried on the outline. I'm like, no, I really, really like that. Why are they suggesting we fix it? And then you both confirm, you're like, no, that is really good, Jack. Don't worry, you're not going mental. I'm like, okay, good, good, good. There's, so there's, then, for, there's we then one... do the, the other thing where we pick films that people like, but we don't like, and then we get to <laughs> watch it, which we will get into yeah. in a moment as well. Yeah. yeah there's one on the list uh, that someone put in our in our big master list of bad sequels, and, and I, I every time I go down the list, I'm like, that sequel is better than the original. I don't know what this film is doing on here. Ooh, and if it ever gets exist. called out, I shall, I shall be uh, protesting against its inclusion. It's interesting. I don't know what film you're talking about. I, no. Off the top of my head, I have no clue what you're talking about. So I bet I put it in there as well. <laughs> Admittedly, I know this because I put in... We, we, we had a discussion for the prequelizers where I said, I want to do King Kong. And uh, Jack said, King Kong's fine. And Tim said, I like King Kong. I was like, well, fuck you, fine. You're as in, as in fine. Peter Jackson's King Kong, by the way, folks. No, not that. Um, <laughs> no, the... Um, I can't remember the name of the guy who directed it, but the no. Legendary Universe one. The, I thought it was Kong Skull Island, Island is what you're looking for. Thank you, Kong Skull Island. I just wanted to throw you under the bus. For, yeah, I really like Peter Jackson's King Kong. Oh, yeah. I do like Peter Jackson's King Kong. See, I don't, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> fucking... It fucking takes dinosaurs. all sorts to make a world. <laughs> Shit. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, so like this, for example, this is the conversation we'll tend to have. We'll go, eh, and there's certain hills you want to die on. And most of us, the three of us specifically, tend to become very agreeable very quickly. We've never really gone, no, 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 listen, motherfucker. I have to have this in here. We've got that to look forward to, according to Tim. There is one film <laughs> where he Yeah, just... sorry, of course, there's one thing. And then that list is quite long. So it is, know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's literally like he's minesweeper, that motherfucker. There's no clue. As you probably guessed, in terms of picking the main season, we go for different topics. I know we've talked about this before, but like we don't just mm. pick... 12 films at random at this point we try and cover a variety of topics so it's not like here's the sci-fi season here's the family friendly season we try and yes sprinkle oh there's an animated film in there there's a non-english language film in there there's a sci-fi film and there's a horror thing whatever a classic you know pre-1970s 1960s kind of thing we try and cover make the the thing as diverse as we can really without taking the piss so that's the kind of main driving force behind the whole structure of our seasons and into seasons is just having a bit of diversity and making sure we cover different topics and don't just get exhausted writing or talking about the same thing for <laughs> two and <laughs> yeah, a half months, yeah. three months, whatever it ends up being. Without spoiling what's coming in series seven, I'm pretty sure I, we had initially decided just divide up who was going to take what for each pitch. And then as oh, the second after we did that, I sent Jack a message saying, hey, can we switch these two? Because I've just realized I've written so many of this kind of movie <laughs> that I'm kind of burned yeah, out. Uh, it was a particular genre that I hadn't really thought about. And you were like, I've done this twice, like recently. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. So you have. It's not a bad thing. It's just you don't want to end up writing the same plot and realizing, oh, hang on, I, I think I've just cannibalized my own story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, possibly. Whereas I, I will yeah. just do something completely different. There's a little tease for you, folks. What, Set it in what, space. What genre has Matt covered a lot recently? <laughs> Find out in season seven. Gay wizards! <laughs> That's a genre, right? Our next question, via Gmail this time, uh, comes from Vincent Gain, uh, one of our long-time listeners. Um, he sent us an extremely nice email, uh, very long, saying how much he'd enjoyed the season uh, and, and previous seasons as well. Um, his question... Is there such a thing as objectivity in relation to films? Jack referred to X-Men Origins Wolverine and Suicide Squad as objectively bad. And during your Oscars commentary, there was a reference to the best picture Oscar going to the film that is objectively the best. You know, air quotes around objectively on those. Can there be objectivity in this context? Does a film carry value inherent in itself? So are there films that are objectively good or objectively bad? No, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my response. <laughs> Either that or an essay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Objectivity doesn't exist in terms of reviews or the, the opinions of people yeah. ever, unless you're talking about literal scientific facts, unless you have empirical evidence <laughs> that is like, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. In terms of people reviewing films and us discussing films and discussing whether we enjoy it or not, that is objectively subjective yes <laughs> that is by definition subjective however what i mean by that and i i don't know if you notice listeners i'm prone to a bit of hyperbole sometimes <laughs> I, I regularly say i fucking hate that movie god oh god i just want to oh fuck i fucking hate that i probably don't hate it i'm like ah that's this I, I dislike it It was slightly disappointing <laughs> six out of ten i fucking hate it uh, <laughs> but no um best one i've ever seen seven out of ten exactly exactly <laughs> But in terms of the, what I meant there was things like Suicide Squad and Son of the Mask and X-Men Origins Wolverine, they are fundamentally poorly made and executed 
uses of the medium of film. I think Son of the Mask fundamentally feel, like fails as a film to tell the story. The actors fail to act. The camera fails to be in the right place at the right time. None of the effects work. Like there, there, there is a craft. Like if you if you write a book and you just chuck a bunch of letters, technically you've written a book. But if it's just <laughs> gibberish, then it's not an interesting and it's objectively not a story. Things like X Men Origins Wolverine, I think it fundamentally fails as a film as well. Not on the same level as Son of the Mask. Son of the Mask is objectively, and I mean objectively, the worst film I've ever seen. But X Men Origins Wolverine is such a piece of shit, and so fundamentally misunderstands the whole franchise around it the effects are terrible the acting is terrible it ruins the whole continuity of the whole but basically everything around it i view it as an objectively bad film i know i shouldn't do because everything is subjective but (laughs) (laughs) i think you know obviously there's there's certain things you can point to and go like well, those are just mistakes in films. So, like, if the boom <laughs> drops into shot, or like, <laughs> like, yeah, like if if the boom is in shot, or if the camera's not in focus, then you can point to that and go like, that is that is pure acts. Like, and if you if you can point to it and go like, they have not done that intentionally as a way to generate an effect or for humor, because you know there's things like Black Dynamite where the boom is constantly mm. in the shot, but they're doing that to parody stuff. I think, you know, obviously there's consensus, which is kind of why we have our stupid look at Rotten Tomatoes uh, in in every episode, because that yeah, gives sure. us an idea of the critical consensus, even though Rotten Tomatoes is a dumb stat and, the, you know, an imperfect <laughs> measure. Um, Makes no fucking sense. And there's the, you know, there's the thing of like, I can, I can watch X-Men Origins Wolverine and enjoy myself more than I would watching a perfectly coherently made film because it's so bad it's funny and so it's like well is it bad yes but am I enjoying myself yes so is that it so is it bad because I'm having fun you know there's I I I think there's there's definitely times when you feel like you can point at a thing and go like, who who finds this? Int- you know, who calls this film good? And yet, there will always be someone. I was, I, for some reason, I was watching the honest trailer of Wild Wild West earlier today. Wow. Um, and there were a bunch of comments underneath it of people being like, "I love this film," and it's like, it's fucking Wild Wild West. It who? is not a good film. Who are you? Uh, Speak um, now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, you know, I think I think this is the thing, is that even a film as bad as Son of the Mask, there are going to be people who can find enjoyment out of it. And there's going to be certain elements... Don't you dare, Tim. Don't you dare <laughs> say positive things about Son of the Mask. <laughs> and that is not allowed on this show. They finished it. That's it yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like, filmmaking is such a huge project. It's a miracle that any film gets finished. Um, like that doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it good, <laughs> but it makes it, it makes it that makes it exist. That's it makes difference. it it makes it an extant thing. <laughs> so, in some ways, they have succeeded at what they wanted to do. You know, they they've made a film by by definition alone. By def yes. <laughs> so. I yeah no like I mean yeah objectivity is impossible but there is there's if, consensus if I'm not and pissing about I agree 
Yes. <laughs> and and like we say, like you can look at a film and try and intuit what the filmmaker and and you know the entire production crew is trying to do and trying to say with a film and judge by your own kind of metrics whether they are successful at doing a certain thing and so there are ways to kind of by your in your own brain try and objectively sort out like well this film does what it wants to do this film doesn't do what it wants to do but yeah no objectivities doesn't exist as far as I'm concerned. I'm, I'm going to jump in very quickly just for a minor little addition at the end and completely counter all that shit. <laughs> um, I think, first of all, a film can be objectively broken in that it's like, yeah, no, you enjoyed this, sure, but it doesn't work. I don't understand who he's... Like the, uh, the Snowman, for example, the Michael Fassbender, very broken movie. That's an objectively bad film because it is broken. But that's a structural thing. The other thing about the definition of of objectivity is that it's about impartiality and unbiased and stuff. I think there are two groups who are the very key thing there, which actually describes it quite interestingly. One is AI, where you feed in like like ninety movies, Arnie movies, and writes a script. I thought, I like, thought you meant the the film for a second there. The <laughs> Steven Spielberg uh, sort of Kubrick the, the collaboration. Kubrick Spielberg collaboration. Yeah. No, no. Um, but specifically that, specifically the idea that AI is unbiased in regard, it can only just absorb what you've given it. And the second, in a more human way, is children. Yes, okay, they of course they have influence, of course they have certain things, but really, as far as film is concerned, they absorb that thing for the first time. That's their... Yes, okay, they've got like a cultural perspective and stuff, that makes it sort of subjective, but most of the time they go, wow, that's why, for example, people say, this is the best thing I've ever seen. It's like, shut up, little Tim. Uh, it's like, you're six. It's not the best thing you've ever seen. It won't be the best thing in your life. But the problem is when you're a child, you latch onto that stuff, which is why people still say to this day, what's your favorite movie? It's like, well, I really, really liked Selma. I had had some great positive stuff in that thing. It was a really well-directed film, but I fucking love Hook. (laughs) And I can't let Hook be dethroned by Selma, so it's still Hook. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I saw Hook when I was six and it's the best film. It's like, no, no, you're wrong, you're wrong. Yeah, but I liked it then, so it must still be good. And you have the nostalgia that goes. Uh, so, and, by the way, and you're claiming that's, that's proof of you're claiming that's proof of objectivity. <laughs> Effectively, I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that's more of the idea that, that that in terms of impartiality and unbias, I think there is a time where it's sort of that way. Having said that, in this setting as a podcast where we discuss films, yeah, I agree with you guys. It's bullshit. <laughs> and and finally, at, at the end of Vincent's uh, email, he did just say, "P.S. Has Jack seen Noah yet?" No, I've not, but it's on my Netflix queue at the moment. It's on Netflix. <laughs> I showed you a clip. Uh, did you? Yeah. Or I'm actually on your wife and you might have been looking over her shoulder. I don't have a wife, but sure. <laughs> wife, fiancé, girlfriend. Your fiancé. Thank you. I've been, I, look, I'm from I've the se- I've seen the future, first right? two minutes and then I was like, <laughs> I need to be concentrating on this. I was going to have yeah. it like all in the background as I was washing up and I was like, no, no. Oh, it, 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 it was on my phone on a windowsill while I was washing up and I was like this as Aronofsky intended <laughs> exactly 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 the no, highest resolution because... but smallest screen possible <laughs> I, I heard a load of I lived close to a school and I heard all the kids playing I thought, I thought oh my god that's the sound of the apocalypse because all the schools are back and coronavirus is everywhere etc mm, etc et yes. and I said it reminds me of seeing in Noah <laughs> and I showed it to uh, Jack's fiance who's a, who's a nurse 
And she went, oh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the sort of, how would I do this in a movie when I'd have all this sort of happy screaming in the playground sort of harmonizing with the screaming of death and wails of the, of the dying. There you go. So yeah, Noah, it's interesting. I'll watch it. I'll let you know. I do genuinely plan on watching it, but I need to get the time. Films we want to see a sequel to, Noah. <laughs> question number three comes from Teddy C via Discord. Uh, he says, not sure if this question has been questioned. I think the word he's looking for is asked, but sure. Nope, he wants us to question interrogate it like it's fucking LA Noir or something. Um, has someone, actor, director, etc., who was involved in a movie the sequelizers talked about, taken contact regarding a show? Again, got in contact. Um, Short answer is no. 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 We're, we're not big enough or... We are not enough. on anyone's radar. No. I'm not going to lie, I, I'm very happy about that because... First things first, no one wants to burn a bridge and say like, oh, I'm, it's such a great honor to be working with you. And you say, yeah, really? And they play a clip at you like, oh, fuck. <laughs> or alter- okay, I mean, if you're, offered, if you're offered an acting role and you find out you're in, you're, you know, you're like minor, minor role for you, man, mm. as an actor. Sure. But a fellow minor role is Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> Do you say anything? Or you're like, hello, Mr. Kennedy. Nice to meet you, Mr. Kennedy. I love you. I love you. This is literally the scene with Sam Rockwell and Oliver Platt in fucking Frost Nixon, where he says, "Are you going to shake the president's hand?" Fucking going to shake the president's hand. And he goes, "Ruler." He says, "Mr. President." <laughs> oh, he's really intimidated by that. Yeah. Like, Fuck you. So I, I think the truth I feel is, like there's a big difference between meeting the president and Jamie Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> I could walk the past president Jamie question Kennedy. was Nixon, so I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's still intimidating. He's still, you know, got a certain charisma to entourage. Him. Yeah. And he's he was in Scream. Now I like him in Scream, so you know. I might afford him a cut. Co- what, what, what do I ever meet someone that Red Comics for famous person? I'll tend to just say something nice about one thing I like them in because there's always one I project. You saying you go, that, yeah, yeah. It's like saying you've been really good in Scream, man. You've been shit ever since. You yeah. piece of shit. <laughs> now sing me circle circle dot. You piece of crap. <laughs> or whatever um, that song is. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody famous that listens to the show. As far as I know, the most famous person. Probably his former sequelizer Stuart. Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> he probably has the most Twitter followers of our listeners, and then uh, you, you also the most like, like feature film roles and stuff like that. <laughs> probably second, like second is probably you, Matt. <laughs> In terms of acting director, you're an award-winning director, and it's true. I've been your award-winning. You've, you've acted in award-winning stuff as well. So it's like, I have. Yeah, I've been in 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 monumentally bad movie. Tulip fever. <laughs> <laughs> Don't watch it. Um, uh, no, I was going to say that um, it's like when screen junkies have like an honest trail and they get a commentary from the director itself. It's like, uh, it, it always feels a bit too sterile and clean. It's like, we'd like, oh, would you invite, say, for example, we had the opportunity to invite a certain director along to explain their thing. We wouldn't be as savage, we'd be polite, we'd be, wouldn't be as entertaining and it wouldn't be as truthful because you don't want to literally roast someone for something they did, but also you might be one, unless it was like an interview, like, hey, so what what happened here? Like, yeah. like an actual, you know, but that's a fucking interview. That's a letterman. That's not, that's not us. Yeah. That's not a letterman at all. I'm a bad example, but yeah. So no. Next question. Next question is also via Discord coming from Xenos? Xenos? It's one of those things when you always read people's names. Yeah. And I've I was just lodging my head being say out loud. Definitely a regular on the show, uh, on the show. Definitely a regular in the discord. I've never really said it out loud and it just occurred to me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> exactly. So this is a really random question, but I want to ask anyway. Shit. I'm listening through a stream VOD from 
Stuart Ashen, the aforementioned Stuart Ashen from a couple of years ago, and he offhandedly mentions wanting to do another podcast with you and Alec called Desperately Seeking Schwarzenegger, where you just go th- through the basically the, the filmography of Arnold Schwarzenegger and talk about them. Was that really something you talked about at some point? And fun fact, listeners, this is the prequel to sequelizers essentially this is is the podcast alec and i did way back when and there is a lost episode there is an unreleased but recorded episode of uh alec and i basically doing like a movie commentary style thing but not quite a movie style commentary to hercules which is uh, uh, starting from number one. Always, yeah. we we were going chronological order through Mr. Schwarzenegger's entire career. Yeah, yeah. I think I've talked about this before, and I know we were gonna eventually team up with. We like did a pilot episode to see if we could even just functionally do it with the with the equipment we had. And then Alec mm. was like, "Oh, I know that YouTuber bloke," and I was like, "Cool, get him involved because nobody's gonna <laughs> listen to us two idiots just talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger." And we never did. But then we did sequelizers. And we were like, oh, you met, we were, we were going to do that podcast together. Remember? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuart's still interested. Um, he knows this other guy. He's got a, like a twirly mustache and stuff. And then, <laughs> and, and thus, sequelizers was born. True, true. Yeah, the rest is history, I guess. So, yeah. There, there is an episode on my old laptop that is basically non functioning. Um, there is an episode of me and Alec talking about Hercules somewhere. It belongs in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. This is uh, another Discord question uh, and another name starting with an X. Zelius, I think. Or Shelius, maybe. Shelius. <laughs> <laughs> they sent us a brace of questions here. Oh, rapid fire. So we'll rapid fire through these. Which sequelizer is the best crow? Me. Yeah, Matt. Objectively, it's Matt. It's absolutely Matt. And I mean objectively. <laughs> yeah, I used to have long hair and leather coat. Uh, I mean, like a long floor-length trench coat, leather coat. I used to have long hair as well, but I looked like I a member of Led Zeppelin. Moody I Beckham. didn't look like a goth. Yeah, no, Matt, went, Matt went full goth. Yeah, yeah. And I'm also very pain. <laughs> You're tall, very pain, pale, full of pain. Mopey motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, writing poetry. Yeah, lots of Catholic imagery. Damn right. Yeah, but it's just yeah. It's so no offense to him, but it's so Matt. It's not even close. Oh yeah, I I I I, I would be a terrible crow. <laughs> good, good crow, bad crow. <laughs> good crow, Matt. Bad crow, Tim. Yeah. Also bad crow. Good crow, my cat. Jack's a tricky one. He's one of oh. starts debating. Going, it's like Brian Cranston crow. Mm. You're like, I've got, I've, I've got the rage Ooh. inside me though, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I think you 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 you'd, you'd have to be you'd be unconventional crow. Yeah, unconventional yeah. crow. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite underrated movie? For everyone, I fucking love Treasure Planet. I like that film, and loads of people don't give a shit about that film. But yeah, I, I it lost Disney a fortune. I know, <laughs> it's still exactly. one of the biggest bombs ever. Yeah. I'm just mad. I've never seen it. It's on my that and Atlantis are on my oh. Disney Plus crew uh, queue to watch at some Atlantis point. Atlantis isn't as good, but it's pretty good. Treasure, Treasure Planet. Treasure is, Planet is better. Mm, yeah, it's uh, Treasure Island. You can't go wrong with it. Treasure Island. But with space pirates yeah. instead of normal pirates. Sign me up. I love that film. And <laughs> cat ladies, because you love Yeah. Cats. <laughs> um, I would say uh, The Faculty for me. Oh, I, I like that film a lot. Yeah, I think that it's one that tends to get forgotten in terms of uh, 
like God, the Rodriguez's stuff, Rodriguez's stuff mm. and also Sorry. in terms of like self-reflexive, it's kind of like Scream, but with sci-fi instead of horror, you know, from that kind of era. Yeah. Um, and yeah, great cast, really fun. It's a stellar movie. I think it's fantastic. And a really good twist on the, the body snatches thing as well. Mm. Really, really good. Yeah. Matthew? And my pick is Perfume, Story of a Murderer. Um, adaptation of a book I really like, Siskin, and it's directed by Tom Tiqua, or Tyqua, I don't know how to pronounce it, he's German. He did Run, Load, Run, and a few other things. He's worked with the Chowskis in the past. I really like it. It's Ben Wishore as this uh, Jean-Baptiste Cronwy, uh, this um, weird, weird creation of somebody who has no smell himself, but smells everything and, and adores every scent and is desperate to capture it and goes a bit mental with it and wants to learn about perfumery so he can capture the essence of well, basically this one thing, but it, it's it's a beautiful representation of a serial killer's obsession. And the film itself is a very interesting adaptation. Because again, how do you describe smell visually and audially? It's just, it's very tricky. But it's really well done. I think it's really visceral and quite repulsive at times, and that's fantastic. It's got Alan Rickman and Dustin Hoffman in very nice little roles and things. Alan Rickman in this enormous, like, maybe 200 people strong orgy scene. That's all I need to say about that. Wow, sign me up. It's well. It's, it's not. It's it's the fact that they he he releases his perfume and this 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 thing he's been refining from the women he's been boiling down, and um, it just makes everyone just wilt into this sexual ecstasy of just falling all over each other. And there's a powerful moment, Rickman. I think is really good. It's it's a very underrated film, partly because this is a difficult question. I'm going to cover this very quickly. Underrated. I always don't know what to do with that because mm. it's like, do you mean that people don't know about it? Do you mean that it was badly reviewed? Do you mean that it just didn't get a box office thing like the Shawshank Redemption but now it's mm. got you know vindicated years later so I'm going to go with something that I think is unknown as much and underappreciated and more people should watch it yeah I, I like it yeah. I'm going to skip ahead to his fourth question here favourite movie genre I think you all know <laughs> for me erotica yes <laughs> vampire based erotica <laughs> <laughs> I think probably action for me I've got fairly eclectic taste, but I yes. think probably I, I appreciate good action more than I appreciate anything else. <laughs> Similarly, I, I will watch a romance, a drama, a Western, and obviously I know genres and categorization is kind of bullshit. I've covered this before, but the thing I'm gravitating towards the most and things that are filling up my collections more is science fiction. It's, it's, it's such a broadly applicable thing. I, it's, it's always sci-fi. Yep, always will be. I agree. And then finally here, a variation on the uh, fuck, marry, kill game. Remake, watch, and erase. Shrek, Star Wars 3. Now I'm assuming that's... That's episode 3. Revenge Epis of the Sith. Yep. Revenge of the yep. Sith. Uh, and Bruce Almighty. So I don't particularly care about any of these films. They're all fine. Which, which makes it much, much more difficult. <laughs> I don't love or hate any of these three. I, I think I have an answer. Okay, go on. It's one of those logic answers. Mm. <laughs> Less emotional. Objective, if you will. Um, okay, I would say you need to remake Bruce Almighty. Wow. I'd say you need to erase... Shrek. words. My reasons, my reasons are as follows. You didn't ask for reasons. If you, if, <laughs> oh, 
Well, then never mind. You need to just face the the wrath of Twitter. I, I would go. Twitter. I would go with remake <clears throat> Star Wars. Watch Shrek erase Bruce Almighty. I agree with you, Tim. That is my pick as well. I want to justify my thing. So <laughs> the reason I said remake Bruce Almighty is because no one will care. Well, that's why I'm erasing it, because nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if I erase Shrek, then I get rid of uh, when I went to the worst Universal film. Studios Japan and it got rid of the 4D Godzilla to fucking replace it with 4D Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a real problem with the idea of uh, erasing Star Wars Episode Three because if you erase any of the Star Wars films, suddenly they're like, it's the whole who shot first Greedo Han Sure, like, yeah. Well, we can raise any of the Star Wars films. Like, oh no, where have we started? <laughs> it's the um, Father Ted tinkering with the car. I'll just knock this little... Uh, oh, no, hang on. I've pushed it the other way. Oh no, I'll just tap the other way. So that's my thing with that one. I think Star Wars, especially the prequel trilogy, as we will cover at some point when we hit a Patreon goal, mm-hmm. has a lot of potential that wasn't executed. Of course brilliantly so i think it's 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 the most apt for a remake the original shrek is fine it's good it's no i don't think it's bad um it's and uh, and i think bruce almighty is the most objectionable of those films it's forgettable it's uh, uh, it, yep. it will have very little impact if we just yeah, erase yeah, it from yeah. existence uh, we talked about this before but things that have the least cultural impact yeah like you, if you wipe Star Wars three out of existence, you're going to have a problem. You, you wipe Shrek out of existence, DreamWorks are going to have a problem. Sure. Who gives a fuck if Bruce Almighty's never made like Jim Carrey? Maybe Morgan Freeman I'm, doesn't get to play God. I'm trying. There, there's a potential. Steve Carell's career, maybe. Yeah, I was going to say the only the only potential knock on is Steve Carell's career. What, what um, are we losing from that? Let's be honest. Ooh, well, ooh, you can ooh. you can play like for want of a now in that because if Steve Carell doesn't get big, then the U.S. office may not succeed, and we may not get Parks and Recreation in the good place. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, fuck you, Jack. But I, I have faith I that he, he was... I like a, Parks and Rec, but... Yeah. He was bubbling up at that point. I think he, he would have... He can stand on his own thing. Yeah. He'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Next question. I put an X in there for some reason. <laughs> Comes from Mike Salvia at Mort Rager, or as we've discovered past... Uh, Mort Rager! <laughs> uh, it's not that. Um, One of the other Gmail. executive producers. Correct. I felt the need to clap then because that's what we do. I know. <laughs> Instinctive. I'm yeah. like, like a knee jerk fucking Pavlovian response. Um, hello, um, for every one of these, by the way, I had a little game plan at the start where I was going to do a really silly voice. He'd be like, hello, sequelizers. <laughs> I thought, don't do that. Why are they really that's the whole point. I would do different voices each time. Uh, one would be uh, whatever this voice is here. Anyway, so hello, sequelizers. I have a suggestion for a game. Very similar to the one we just played. Green light, rewrite, just shite. Uh, you have to decide between three movies uh, we have a little little list in a second which must be released as is which you could improve upon and which should never be released so yeah similar kind of similar the three movies should be similar in quality or genre to be challenging for example bad video game movies good CPR sequels etc etc have fun I'll throw it in the bin won't hurt my feelings Mike well Mike Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do this right now. So let's cover those uh, bad video game movies. The three he suggested are Super Mario Brothers, Street Fighter, Double Dragon. And again, our options are to greenlight the film, release it just as it is, the rewrite option, which is which one we could improve upon, you know, uh, sequelize essentially, sequelize if you will, and just shite, which is just to get rid of it entirely, bin it off. I think for those, you greenlight 
uh, Street Fighter. Okay, I agree so far, yeah. Because it's not it's great. It's the best of the three. But it's, it's the best of the three, and <laughs> a lot of people have affection uh, for that film. Raul Julia. I think just shite is Double Dragon. I agree again. Because I don't yep. think there's much... I don't think there's really anything to... I can't, I can't... I couldn't tell you what Double Dragon is about. Like... I don't think there's well, a lot of bones there. Blokes in the streets. There's, there's no dragons in it, I can tell them. Yeah. <laughs> no dragons. Uh, whereas Rewrite, I think the Super Mario Brothers movie obviously famously barely plays any resemblance to the actual Super Mario Brothers games. It's a DCEU version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dark and gritty. So I think... It, I, I, I Like, I, I think... The, the Mario Brothers games are quite t- tricky to adapt because they're so... Th- there isn't a lot to them. It's a, it's just kind of this weird setting that doesn't really make sense and kind of constantly changes and, you know, oh, this guy's a bad guy, except sometimes we go, like... Tennis. Tennis or go-karting with him. It's a very formulaic uh, game loop. Yes. Or gameplay loop, and therefore it's very hard to translate into film because the narrative hasn't come through in the same way. Yeah. I, I, by the way, I actually agree with you, Tim. But I, yeah. I think that's but I think, I think that the, the, uh, it, it, it would be interesting to see a film that tries to be a little bit more faithful to the source with Super Mario more Brothers jumping. and to try and find something that actually works rather than weird superpowered jumping boots and tiny-headed dinosaurs. I'll tell you what. Uh, just just very quickly if you did a super mario brothers movie in 1993 with the energy of the most recent sonic the hedgehog movie but filmed it like roger rabbit like who framed roger rabbit with the cartoon mm. style sort of thing a bit of a bit of a you know space jam basically yeah um of the same time period if you rewrote that and got it right the first time with the first video game movie it would set a precedent rather than being like well there is all going to be shit because mm. they've been shit since the start it's like nah that was a good one at the start we got to come back with a good one with the right tone. I genuinely think that might have changed the course of history. So yeah, I think that's the right answer. We, we talked about this a, a while back when we did video game movies with yes. uh, Stuart uh, as he was leaving the show. Like, yeah. they're such a hard thing to adapt because they're so fundamentally different in terms of their stories. And even as, like, the games industry has tried to become more cinematic in its storytelling, they're still big fundamental differences in how a video game, how you absorb the story of a video game versus how you absorb the story of a film. Yeah. Your involvement in agency, it makes a very different experience. And obviously the longer you're with the character for 50 hours or something, it's like an RPG as opposed to two hours in a movie, you relate more and connect more. The next three, good superhero sequels. X2, or X-Men 2, United, as it was known in certain places. <laughs> Spider-Man 2 or The Dark Knight. Again, this, this green light, a lot rewrite, tougher. just shite. A lot, this is lot trickier. tougher. This, yeah, this is tricky. It's easier to figure out the shit ones because you figure out, eh, you're not as committed. For good stuff, you're like, oh, that actually causes problems. So, yeah. Mm. I have a thought. I am going to green light The Dark Knight. I'm going to rewrite X2 and just shite Spidey 2. Ooh. I don't really know why, and I'm not confident on my picks, but that was, that <laughs> was the first thought that came no, to no, my that's brain. Fine. That was, that was my, my one, instinctive. <laughs> my one again comes down to logic, unfortunately. I say you rewrite 
X2. Okay. To make it more open to a... So far we agree, that's fine. Right. Yep. <laughs> Leave Spider-Man 2 as it is. Oh, here we go. Now, here we go. Here we go. This is a, this is this is my logic, right? This is my 2020 hindsight. Give us the juice, man. <laughs> you get rid of the Dark Knight. Whoa. This means two things happen. Batman Begins remains one of the best Batman movies. Sure. Heath second, Ledger second. doesn't die. Well, hmm. Yet. He might still die. And, well, not for that reason. Not as that character. And... He didn't die as the Joker. <laughs> he died he didn't in his makeup. That shit. He did. He went off to do uh, the imaginary of Doctor Parnassus, and every night he put on the Joker makeup. Anyway, um, no, but the, the, the you know the side effects and things uh, of of the impact of the role allegedly. But the more importantly, doesn't do that. And more importantly, Nolan doesn't then drive up this whole whipped up trilogy thing of mm. I'm going to make it dark universe and then decide effectively. Oh, well, I mean, I think like Jeff Johns and Mark Wade and tons of other people came in and said, this is how we should do a Superman film. And the one they listened to was Christopher fucking Nolan after a conversation with Goya. So I feel like that would fix all of the DCEU at the same time. Possibly. I don't yeah. want to lose the Dark Knight, but that's my logic, at least. That's how I'm applying it. Yeah, I think I, I think I would go with very similar to Matt, because I think that there the obviously like Christopher Nolan made the film he wanted to with the dark knight and it's a fantastic film i don't think any of us will like deny it. that yep. um but it's so it sets the tone for batman and the dc universe for the rest of like Time. up until it's we're still seeing the repercussions day, of that yeah. you know yeah. um and i think if you had if you had had him make you know Batman Begins and then go off to do something else. I mean, obviously he did the prestige after Begins before doing the Dark Knight, I think. Correct. Yep. Time-wise. Yes. Um, but if he'd have... Prestige 2006. Six, yeah, 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 if he'd have then not been offered the Dark Knight. You get rid of Inception, um, though. Inception. Yeah. yeah. Use the money of the Dark Knight but, you know, to make Inception. Who knows, who knows what else he does? Um, exactly. But yeah, if, if, if it had been passed off to another director to take the, okay, you've got Christian Bale as Batman, you've got Michael Caine as, you know, we've set you up for a Joker story. Do what you want. Do what you want. Yeah. Um, Batman Begins is the one that is, even though it is does all this work to ground Batman in realism, quote unquote, bunny ears, you know, quotation marks, yeah. it's the closest to the comics that, that that trilogy is in a lot of ways. Nolan has to do a percentage of Batman, and he does the most percentage of Batman in Batman Begins. Yes, and then yeah. just refuses to come back to Batman. And the, the the more in control he is of that property, the less interest he has in actually telling a Batman story. Um, yep. And so I think passing it off to someone else at that point could still generate an interesting film. But obviously, yeah, that's a that's a very tricky one. It is a it is a very difficult one. But thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. We might come back to that with other films. People want to challenge us with uh, another point. Yeah. Another one from the Discord from Dan R. What's your favourite place to get a pint in Norwich? And also, what playlist would be the soundtrack of your lives? Co-op. I like a pint of milk. <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> that's, uh, <laughs> listeners, that's more true than he would... Care to admit? No true word, no um, word has been spoken on this podcast. I haven't really drunk a drink in like twenty years, which is fucking crazy. That's not true. Not twenty You're years. Not, no, 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 not quite. Thirty-six. No, no. Let's try again. Maybe seventeen. Seventeen years. years, years. Like that, yeah. yeah. 
it's still a very long ass time. Mm. For those of you who don't know, um, Matt is sober and addicted to milk. Yeah. <laughs> to, I saw Clockwork Orange and realised I want to be cool. <laughs> to, to compensate for the lack of alcohol, it poisons yep. his blood with calcium instead. <laughs> White Russian, but hold the ice, hold the Kahlua, hold the vodka. <laughs> so you want some milk? Yes, and I know you've got it because I just ordered a White Russian, motherfucker. <laughs> so serve me that milk. Matt has done that in bars before. I have done that yeah. in bars. <laughs> give me a white Russian without um, any of the other stuff. Well, we, we can't just give you milk. Well, you serve white yes, Russians, you don't you? Therefore, you have milk. I could see you got a fridge there. Bring me that milk. <laughs> um, I will pay full white Russian price for this milk. Yeah, I don't, I don't care what pay you charge me. Eight, pa- eight pounds for a glass of milk. That's what I want. Oh, God. Um, when I did use to drink, I always go to the Cafe Dar in Norwich. It wasn't there at all. I was going to say, I've never even heard bar. of that. <laughs> it was a vodka bar. Um, Tim hosted. Bear in mind when you were drinking, I was about once. twelve. Fancy <laughs> point. Um, in the days of yore, when when the millennium was new, um, <laughs> um, uh, there was a Russian bar called uh, Cafe Dar, and it was a nightclub underneath, and it had literally tons of flavor vodka, like scorpion infused vodka and cucumber shit. And it was it was just it was very cool. I had to order. They had a seventy eight percent vodka, and I started the night with that shit. And he had a little sign, a little waiver saying you weren't going to kill yourself. You only had one. Um, I don't drink anymore for a reason, maybe. <laughs> and I would also go to the Rumsey Wells, which was personally known as the St Andrew's Tavern or something like that, and mm. that was cool. Could draw on the. That's a um, that's a nice bar. Yeah, a nice pub. A nice pub. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. They serve pies. I'm gonna go for the regular sequelizers hangout of the Cigarnet, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, a nice little show. pub on the corner, right next to Norwich Market. So if you are ever in Norwich, you really can't miss it because Norwich Market is the centre of the city basically you've got the castle <laughs> behind you you've got the city hall in front of you and you've got Europe's largest open air market in front of you and it's kind mm. of one of the big tourist attractions of Norwich if you're looking at the market for, and you've got city hall in front of you castle behind you look to the left and there's a nice little like curved building on the corner that is the Sagarnet pub and that has been the regular meetup pre-covid obviously of yeah, yeah. of the sequelizers that's where i think most of us met for the first time that's where i first met you yeah yeah, yeah. and where we first kind of gathered together it's as a crew thing. back in the day yeah. and has been <laughs> all meetings have been held pretty much basically. all meetings yeah outside of the ones we actually had in your house which is weird for me because back in said drinking days the garnet was a really rough pub and i got in a couple of fights really there, so. See, it's, yeah, it's, it's quite really rough it, it's yeah quite used, used to be hipstery now yeah. yeah it was a proper place you would not want to leave wow. you know someone there or like can we the garnet it's like oh not really again so long before my time it's always been hipstery yeah. as long as i've been drinking there no <laughs> I, I remember someone's face getting smashed into a sink so <laughs> Tim, where do you where do you drink um i quite like the stanley which is a bit out mm. of town um That's next to me well near me yes it's, it's but on the way they, to uh i know some people who work there and they do a very good uh pub quiz which i have won yeah, in nice. the past uh which is corrupt Currently, my most uh, frequent calling to be in a pub is to go to a pub quiz. Sure. Do we want to do, go around? And so the, the question says playlist, but I think we've all gone for kind of Soundtrack. soundtracks. Matthew, uh, let's go to you again uh, as you started. I, I actually have an answer to this, and I always do. Uh, I've seen Tim off air beforehand. There's people say, oh, what would be that soundtrack of your life if you like play music to go along with it? And what people interpret that as sometimes, maybe you guys have as well, I'm not going to judge you, is... is this is music I like, and I'd like to hear this if I was walking around. I'm like, hmm, I've scored films. <laughs> Usually you want to do things that's going to set the mood and go along with the tone of what's happening. 
So my choice is always Michael Nyman and Damon Alburn working together on a film called Ravenous, a really, really underrated film. When I said to my wife that one of the questions was, what's the most favourite underrated film? She said, did you say Ravenous? And I said, nah, I've got to know about later Ravenous. Um, I love this score. I think it's fantastic. It is also fucking weird. On the one end, it's got some really strange, almost drunken, lilting, uh, sort of American Civil War style flutes, drums, and very slow accordion kind of shit. It's like, what is this weird, all over the place, happy bullshit? does sound weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, well, that's Matt's fucking weird when he's like happy and all over the place and he's a bit bounced off the walls. What else has it got? Some really dark tones, some really somber beats. It's, it's like, Matt's really manic pulsing. depression. Yeah, it's like, it's like yeah, if you're going to do it, if you're doing an actual film of my actual life, some of it's really high and happy and fun and silly and over the top. And again, I can't, I don't want to do like an impression, but if you go listen to the playlist, it bounces all over the place. Yeah, Ravenous, I think, is a very good example of that. I actually will say one thing. If you want a taste of of the the range, you should listen to hmm, "Welcome to Fort Spencer" for the madcap, silly stuff, the sort of very all over place thing, and for a very um, somber weirdness, but a bit of darkness. Go with "Manifest Destiny." So there you go, have that, or we'll save our soul, Lisa. That's all I'm gonna say. It's hard to describe music when you're discussing like this, <laughs> but it's quite easy. So, um, Tim, what's uh, what's yours? I, I kind of went for the same logic as you of what, what would actually be used to soundtrack my life, but also that, uh, something that I'd enjoy listening to. And I went with the I Heart Huckabees soundtrack by uh, John mm. Brian. I Heart Huckabees, not, not a great fan of that film, personally. The uh, music, I totally understand that. Mm -hmm. but I don't like the film too much, personally, but carry on. I, I, I quite like it. I, I find it it's interesting. It's, it's a weird-ass film. Um, it's classic David O. Russell, isn't it? Yes, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's pretty light in its tone but it's also the soundtrack of like existential crisis so i feel like that suits me <laughs> light-hearted light existential crisis no fair i've gone way lower brow all this i'm like what would <laughs> actually be like how what describes my life because my life is decidedly uninteresting and <laughs> what's the soundtrack of lift me? music yeah what's the soundtrack of me sat at my desk working and then moving over to the other chair and playing video games and then pooping occasionally <laughs> very regularly Wait, sitting at a desk sitting at a couch playing a thing and sitting on yeah. the toilet and occasionally going to the nice. gym I guess that's about it ah, I'm going to cheat and basically just because it's full of heavy metal stuff hmm. the, the uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt vehicle Hesher <laughs> from uh, 2010 I want to say yeah. Uh, yeah yeah. it's full of just like Metallica and Moe songs basically so I, I'm, I'm, I'm just cheating and i want to listen to lots of metallica and motorhead so yeah <laughs> again that that you are in a metal band that makes yeah, sense yeah entire sense nice. I, I could really cheat and do like through the never the metallica film but that's just barely a film yeah <laughs> pink diamond via discord asks do you watch cartoons and if so what are your favorites in short no, not really. I ha I haven't in uh, forever, unless like mm. I used to watch. You all know my love of The Simpsons. I used to watch a lot of The Simpsons. I watched a lot as a teenager and as a kid. But for whatever reason, I I've tried to watch Rick and Morty. I've tried to watch regular show. I've tried to watch Adventure Time, and they're all fine. I tried BoJack Horseman. Didn't like it. Yeah, mm. nope, mm. not really. Very interesting. 
I'm not including anime or Disney, by the way, obviously. That's a whole, that's <laughs> I a whole separate caveat. Yeah, I was going to give a caveat. I, I'm not going to include Disney, uh, sorry, not include anime because obviously I watch fucking anime. Hello, welcome to Matthew Stogden. You big weeb. You're damn right. But I will say there are three American shows, uh, cartoon shows I really, really like to this day, still love. First is Invader Zim. If you want to know about Mimi as a person, Zim. Uh, and Edmund Dantes. If you could combine those two, <laughs> oh, and, and Sinestro. If you combine those three fictional characters, that's me. Um, yeah. So Invader Zim, Avatar, The Last Airbender. I know it's very anime-looking, but it's not anime. So it's not anime. It's Nickelodeon, so it's definitely not anime. It is. I watched Nickelodeon the first episode cartoon, of that yeah. recently, having been told to watch it by literally everyone I've sure. ever met. And I was like, ah, oh, that's fine. And people say it's like it's the best thing that's ever been put on TV. This is what I was saying about objectivity when you were a child. Yeah. <laughs> I, I watched it as a, as a teenager, but I still think it's really, really solid. It's really well done and very well made. Anyway, and finally, South Park. Um, I watched South Park when it was first released in 1996 or seven, when I was like 14 years old, and I fucking loved it because it was irreverent and silly. Then it became like series seven or eight. It became more about this. We can do a quick turnaround. Then we can make it all satire. And I've loved it ever since. So South Park. Another show I don't think I've ever seen an entire episode of. I've seen the movie, I think... And maybe a couple That's of episodes, really but I've never given a fuck about South Park either. They literally did a whole episode about how The Simpsons did it. <laughs> Which <laughs> I believe Family Guy has also done an episode about how The Simpsons they, did it. Yes, they actually had a big feud with Family Guy. Yeah. Um, so, Tim? Yes, I, I still watch bits and pieces. Steven Universe, I have not finished, but I'm most of the way through. Uh, Adventure Time and Regular Show, I've watched bits and pieces of. Rick and Morty, I've watched... All the stuff that's on UK Netflix. Um, Same. Uh, and I'm sort of re-going through X-Men Evolution. Ooh, nice. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, from, from my youth, yeah. re-watching it. Wanda Maximoff in that. Yes, I, I, I really like it. I, I like it more mm. than... Uh, as much as the X-Men animated series was the thing that got me into comics, I, mm. I think it's, Evolution it's, is a more interesting good. adaptation. Evolution um, is a much better story. With yes. Better voice acting and better animation. <laughs> and yeah, basically better yeah. everything. I'll tell you a cartoon I haven't seen, but I think we all might like. And I'm basing us on nothing, obviously. And that's, um, is it called The Lower Decks, the Star oh, Trek yeah. one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Which, I've heard, which is, I've heard interesting things. Team, oh, shit. I completely missed one that's very important. Um, I've been recently watching Harlequin, and that's fucking amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, listen I, to I, you, fucking apathetic motherfucker. Yeah. I uh, I ba I bounced off of BoJack Horseman. Um, so did I. Yep. When I when I tried to watch that, I was very. And well. I, so I've I've spoken about BoJack Horseman with uh, some of the guys from the Super Eight Bit Power Hour podcast, and they fucking they love, love it. it. Hugh and Ben and Tom, mm -hmm. the three main guys from that show, absolutely <laughs> adore that show. And I can't get into it. Good lord, I couldn't give less of a fuck about that. I watched the first uh, two or three episodes and I was like, I, this is just doing nothing for me. I'm just... I think I got about halfway through the first season and I, I just couldn't seen, couldn't stick with it. Yeah. A couple of seasons. It's interesting. I um, had a feeling one of you was going to be like, what? You don't like <laughs> How yeah. dare you? And you're both like, meh. Yeah, I'm not too keen. I'm like, oh, good. Yeah. Well, then <laughs> don't so, worry, because the Discord will not be flooded with <laughs> things. Well, yeah. Like, what? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so South Park, I liked as a teenager and now I actively dislike Fair enough. I feel like if um, I watched it, I would actively dislike it as well. But yeah. it, it has the logic, and I, I do respect the logic, which is 
comedy. It's either all yeah. uh, mm. acceptable or none. Yeah. Is. And I don't actually agree yeah, with that entirely, no, but I'm... Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to defend it because I don't make yep. it. Yeah. Let's move on to the next one, which is sort okay. of semi-related, yes. some pe- yeah. people would argue. I would say it's, it's fairly close. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arkham Fright, a.k.a. Stuart Main. Hold your applause. Uh, again, hold your applause. Uh, via the Discord would like to know, what are the sequelizers... Favorite kids movies and the kids is in inverted commas. That's that's fair enough. That's uh, it's, it's cool. I appreciate that. So again, I'm going for the non-anime, non-Disney because I feel like that's too easy for me to just list off a bunch of Disney stuff. And I, I feel we kind of covered it in my The Lion King episode and all this other kinds of. But talked about that. I've also talked about the, this next one because how much I enjoy it. <laughs> how to Train Your Dragon is a kids film that I've only seen as an adult, but I still enjoy. If that makes sense. So there's no nostalgia attached to it. I've only mm-hmm. seen it. You know, it's fairly recent and I'm way too old for that shit, but it's still really good and I still really love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my, they, they are my they're really great films. So, you know. <laughs> um, I also remember really loving Homeward Bound as a kid. Homeward Bound colon The Incredible Journey, based on The Incredible Journey. As in, I mean the <laughs> 90s one, not the 60s one. Because I remember <laughs> crying horrendously when I was five, probably <laughs> something like that. We discussed Homeward Bound recently, we didn't know. Did we? Maybe we did. Maybe in the feel-good film, I think, possibly. Yeah. And the series people keep bringing up for us to fix as a joke, because there's 14 of the motherfuckers, I think. 14, yeah. yeah. Uh, I really, really love the first Land Before Time film. That was like a on-repeat in my house when I was a kid kind of kind of film. So, yeah. They're, they're my th- Same, three Same, but bits. I now hate it. Well, why do you hate <laughs> it now? What's wrong with it? Wrinkly fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Shrivels fucking penises, all of them. <laughs> Little fuck, your fucking penis necked motherfucker. I haven't seen it in 25 years. It's also like, like really years? short. It's barely a movie. It's like 70 minutes long, maybe. Really? Short. Yeah, it's really short. I mean, that's perfect kids watching, right? I know. Short I watched it over and over again. And I think Jenny Nicholson pointed out that every film in that series has a rock being pushed on a dinosaur's head to solve the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I will name a couple of Disney ones, just ones that stand out to me. Uh, Lilo and Stitch, um, I'm a huge fan of. Really love that That's film. Underrated movie. Uh, Tangled, which I think gets mm. ignored. In, I think it's better than Frozen. Yep, I agree. Agreed. Echo Chamber right here. Yep. Uh, I'm also another big fan of uh, How to Train Your Dragon and, as we've mentioned on this podcast before, Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really good. I've not seen it. School of Rock, I think, is a great live-action kids oh, film. Yes, mm. that maybe that. Um, it's come to think of it, the soundtrack to that. Is a <laughs> that that's got all kinds of stuff. One of the most expensive movies because of that reason. Because of fucking Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and various other um, things, particularly Led Zeppelin. And now it feels like Led Zeppelin's used everywhere. Yeah, because it was, used to be that they never let anyone use Jack. I assume you've seen the clip of him pleading on stage. <clears throat> yes, in the final, the final concert scene. Lords of Rock, Led Zeppelin, bless us <laughs> with your mighty love and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I wonder if they opened the floodgates and they were like, wait, wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. We could have been making money from this the whole time <laughs> for the last like thirty. Who fucking told us we shouldn't be licensing our music? What fucking idiot said this? It's like, oh, now it's in a, it's in a Destiny advert. Like, brilliant. Okay. Yes. Ugh. Um, yeah. And School kind of, of rock. look at amazing. Yeah. Cool. love it. School of Rock. Those, those are all I met. Uh, all ones I saw as <laughs> at least a teenager or older. Um, in terms of like stuff that I watched when I was a kid, 
uh, I am I am that motherfucker that owned Hooked Hook on VHS and watched it a lot. Nice. So uh, <laughs> and the Jungle Book, which I think was the only other kind of Disney film that we owned mm-hmm. that I watched yeah. a lot. But those are those are the ones that loom large uh, in terms of like kids. I, I I feel like I my my memories are very like we didn't own a lot of VHS and so I only have vague memories of those. And then the next stuff I remember owning is when I was like. 12 or 13 and I was starting getting stuff like Stargate and stuff which aren't really kids film they're yeah. just ha- action films or sci-fi that's suitable for kids so initially I, I only had one pick because I'm now being used to being cornered saying Matt you can only have one fucking thing so now that I realise <laughs> everyone has three guess what I've got three I've got um, two <laughs> shut up three <laughs> so um, excluding again Disney and live uh, uh, anime for a second because again I could be rambling for quite some time and excluding things I mentioned before like uh, uh, Song of the Sea and things um, I really like the uh, stop motion Armin film Pirates Adventure with Scientists or whatever the fuck it's called in America uh, the a band of rascals or some old shit I've never uh, even heard of this what the hell is this really oh it's it's, it's great brilliant. it's, it's a, a, a children's book series or a young adult book series I don't know which one and it's a stop motion film about pirates, and it's very silly and irreverent. And there's a group of pirates, the captain of which is played by Hugh Grant, brilliantly. And yeah, seriously, he's so good. And they fight Queen Victoria in a big old steampunk suit. It's just, I mean, it it's sounds really amazing. good. It's fun. and I was so angry <laughs> it didn't get picked up by the public, and it didn't get pushed any further. It's is it Ardman doing the animation? Yeah. But because yeah. it's stop motion, they're like, oh, it's a lot of time money. It's not Wallace and Gromit. It didn't get the attention. So they didn't do any of the sequel stuff. And he didn't carry on with it. And they end up saying like, oh, should we go down the road? Where we do lots of like fucking CGI animated versions of them. not that great. But I think it's fantastic. Other Arden stuff is a good shout for other kids films. I love like I loved Chicken Run when I was younger. Oh, yeah. You can watch the sequel? that kind of stuff. No. no. Oh, well, I'm looking no forward one. to <laughs> sequelizing it. Damn right. Um, the other two I'm going to mention very quickly is uh, The Iron Giant. It's one of oh, the best films I've ever oh, made. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not going to say anything else other than that film is absolutely... And it says it's a kid's yeah. movie, in the fact that it's channeled to kids, but my God, it's for everybody. And also Paddington. Oh, I was going to say, how excited were you when Iron Giant showed up in Ready Player One? It was just like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, well, love... that well-known fighting machine, The Iron Giant. Yes. Look, there are moments in, some ass at last. in Ready Player One that I should be like take the form of Gundam and I'm like hmm I should be really excited right now I should be I'm watching right a now, Mechagodzilla fighting a Gundam I just don't fucking care god it's cold <laughs> and soulless it's so dead and they're like oh well, in the book it's Ultraman Ultraman it's like oh fuck off I, this is I, the I nerdy can't. cooler version of that I, 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 I mean I slow it on fucking Blu-ray but <laughs> but um <laughs> No, I really play one makes me very angry. So yes, those are my th- those are my three picks. I think they're all solid. Next question comes from Discord from Ramspaz. I'm not sure if I should be saying that out loud. I'm it's not... Ramspaz. Ramspaz. <laughs> mm. Yes, it's okay. probably not. It's probably Ramspaz. Sure. What is your favorite slash most listened to? Most listened to is probably what we're going to go with here. Movie song slash soundtrack. I find myself listening to the Digimon movie soundtrack once a month. And I took the piss out of this fairly quickly, and the entire Discord descended on me with "Shut up!" The Digimon movie soundtrack's amazing because it's, it's full of like late '90s, early 2000s pop punk, punk alt rock stuff. Apparently, so <laughs> so unsurprisingly, I'm going to go very middle of the road and obvious. 
but two of the most less than two things are made by John Williams. And uh, surprise, surprise. The Superman theme, mm-hmm. I mentioned it before, the classic was my alarm for years, and it's just this incredible, inspiring piece of music. To get you up in the morning, right, Joe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Whack-off time! <laughs> yeah, um, and the other one, despite the fact that it's from a terrible fucking movie, is one of my favourite pieces of music. Is also by John Williams, and it's Jewel of the Fates. That is one of the best things to come out of the sequelizer. It's, it's, it's sequels. <laughs> prequels. Fucking hell. Sequelizers us. <laughs> he didn't score us. That that song is the yeah, best you thing got the prequels. God, Just, sorry. Yeah, you can't you can't deny the power of Jewel yeah, of the Fates. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. extremely good. That's fair. I think for me, probably in terms of individual tracks um, from scores, derezzed from the Tron Legacy soundtrack. And end credits is my my was what I was thinking as well. <laughs> Tron Legacy. Uh, is probably the one I've most listened to. I've probably put a lot of time in uh, in terms of soundtracks with the Scott Pilgrim soundtrack yes. and the 24-hour Party People soundtrack. Good choices, sir. Good choices. Um, I agree. And I th- there was a long while where uh, the Social Network score by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross was my like focus music for writing. Um, so, yeah. In terms of like most listened to movies song, I interpret that as a song specifically rather than a track. So mm. um, I went with The Perfect Drug by Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails is my favorite band. This isn't actually from an album. It's recorded for The Lost Highway. Oh, sorry, just Lost Highway. The Lynch film. Uh, and I love that song. I think it's fantastic. Um, it's one of those things that got me into Nails as a kid, along with uh, accidentally hearing part of um, Pretty Hate Machine <laughs> in London. <laughs> Um, or walking around. Um, anyway, and my most listened to soundtrack or score is Thomas Newman's Road to Perdition. I think Road to Perdition is a massively underrated film. Fucking love Road to Perdition more than I should. I don't know why. I, know I say this every time, but based on a graphic novel. Based on a graphic novel. <laughs> that. It's a comic Everyone book does. movie. Yeah, it's one of the best comic book adaptations ever. Agreed. And uh, yeah, it's it's. I think the tones in it are really interesting and the themes are really, really cool. So that is my answer. Before we segue to kind of the same question, we've interpreted it a little bit differently, from Ben Emerson at Bonzoe, or B-O-N-Z-O-E, sorry, 92. Uh, what are your favourite film soundtracks and or original score? So this time it's, we've interpreted previous as most listened to, this time interpreted as favourite, because um, <laughs> it's the same question effectively. So, Jack, do you want to kick us off again? Sure. I'll give something once again. It's a genre film. It's a trilogy. It's obvious stuff you can probably project that Jack is going to say. It's Howard Shaw's score for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It's a really good score. It's amazing. A very, Brilliant. very good and, and score. Chilly. Hold on, what? It's, well, I like it a lot. I have a lot of affinity because I like those films. I Me remember too. we had uh, two individuals, was it Brown Walsh, they came into Oscars of a time to be interviewed about uh, a book they were selling as a sort of companion piece to the movies. Um, and they wrote this book with, you know, with and they worked on the film and did all this cool stuff. Um, and they said they got a lot of flack for certain things, at which point a guy at the back put his hand up and said, yeah, hi, um, I've got a question. Why did Peter Jackson go with the 
the terribly derivative, really repetitive, uh, hokey score by Howard Shaw when the original BBC Play score was so much more. <laughs> it's like, oh, fucking, that's not a question. That's a dickbag interruption. Um, and he said, well, everyone has different opinions, blah, blah, blah. And she, she agreed with him. Um, I'm really not, I can't remember who it was, unfortunately. But anyway, so I know there are individuals out there who actually don't like the Howard Shaw score at all, but that's because they're usually wankers. Yeah. I think it's a really good <laughs> body Anything that gave us they're taking the hobbits to Isengard. That was the soundtrack of my I'll say year ten, year Losing nine, your virginity. Year, I mean around about then, yeah. <laughs> Give or take, if you if you know what I mean. I love the idea that a lot of like internationalists is like, year ten, what does that mean? Was he ten years old? <laughs> <laughs> I would have been fourteen or fifteen, to put that into perspective. There you go. <laughs> I remember at high school, we just played that in the background of like RIT lessons and stuff. I'm doing a little jig, listeners, if you couldn't already tell. We can see it. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, as previously mentioned, the social network score, I think, is really, really good. Fuck yeah. I also another one that I listen to a lot when I'm writing, which is tends to be if I'm if I'm listening to film music, it tends to be because I want something that I can put on that will help me focus that doesn't have lyrics in that doesn't uh, that even I don't necessarily notice the transition from like track mm, to track yeah. so I can just kind of get into the zone. The Winter Soldier soundtrack by Henry Jackman I really really like. Um, I love and, Henry uh, Jackman. If, if, I find that really good for focus. I've been asked in the past on a sort of Q&A style thing, who would you like to score your films? And obviously I have a great repertoire with my, with my, my, um, uh, my own guy who scores my films, uh, David Stowell. Very, very good. Very good guy. Very talented. Um, very good rapport with him. But if you like, which any would you like to work with you in some future project? Henry fucking Jackman. That man's very interesting. I mean, I mentioned about how I don't like Kong Skull Island. I damn well love that score though. That's <laughs> great. He's really, he's really interesting with this stuff. Cause you say like, he's got the traditional, trumpet stuff going on in, in Captain America when it's all a very sort of forlorn military kind of thing we sort of associate with it but then also this very industrial style um, themes of yeah. subway trains and stuff it's fucking brilliant for me I'm going to split that down the middle to soundtrack and original score soundtrack I always interpret as a collection of songs that have either been composed for the film or alternatively just they bought that one and it will work it was going to be The Crow because that's a damn good soundtrack um but the truth is, when I listened to a lot as a kid, because I found it really interesting as a concept, is the soundtrack for the live-action adaptation of Spawn. <laughs> <laughs> because it was a mixture of electronica, EDM sort of style of music, and new metal and sort of hard rock kind of stuff. So it was pairings of very interesting, different individuals on, on relatively new songs. And I liked a lot of that stuff. There's some really interesting stuff on there. And it, it, one I listened to quite a lot as a, as a kid. And in terms of original score, uh, has to be Akira by Tsutomu, um, Tsutomu uh, Ohashi, because again, there's so much in there of the old and the new, and it's so evocative and so instantly distinguishable and terrifying and brilliant. And I think it's just in terms of what it does. I, I'm much like with Henry Jackman and, and in fact like Nine Inch Nails. I like a lot of the industrial stuff that goes a bit out there and not necessarily conventional. Um, this might surprise a lot of people that haven't said um, anything about uh, Jerry Goldsmith at any point here because I adore <laughs> Jerry Goldsmith, my favourite composer but if we're talking about favourite and most listened to there are lots of other ones like I love you know, The Omen things like that but 
yeah, they're, they're my answers to these questions. Hope that's okay with everybody. It's acceptable, Matthew. That's Yay! Allowed. Accepted! So from Joystick Graphics on Discord, or via Discord, uh, if you could have a dinner party with five actors slash directors, who would you invite and what courses would you serve? Five people, yes. Five. Five. Keeps that rule of six bullshit we've got going in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this is the question I struggle with the most, by far. No need to name five people because... <laughs> but like... I don't have particularly want to have dinner with anybody. Like, I'd be the least interesting person in that room and then I'll just fucking talk to each other about really cool, interesting things. And I guess I'd just be sat there silently being like... This is... I yeah. always say this because people always say this. It's like... It's like you know, it's like, oh, I'd like who's like being a like, have over for dinner party. Oh, I'd like to have Jesus and Martin Luther King and Terry Wogan. I think it'd be really nice. To, you know, liven it a bit up. You're like, you're like, what are you fucking talking about? If you have a room with five people like that, and you, the only interesting thing you're bringing to it is whatever you're serving on the table, because you aren't going to be. It's like, oh, what do you do? Oh, well, I just do this. And even if it's something interesting at all, it's not going to compare to like people who've actually been. And that's if they get along. So I actually agree. I think it's a really tricky question because what in the fuck? It's again, it's like, oh, I put my heroes and idols in there. Why? So they can look down on you. <laughs> oh, shit. Obviously, you guys just aren't very good at hosting dinner parties. This is, you know what? This is true. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at hosting New Year's parties, but I've never hosted a dinner party. In my, I never oh, done I my feel film. that's mostly your, your fiancé doing that and you're just there. I do all the cooking, thank you, Mr. Stogden. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're, yeah. That's that's really just you being pushed away into I'm the, the kitchen. I'm, isn't the, I'm the handyman. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, what's the, the toilet? <laughs> Help the handyman. <laughs> so again, you're the, you're the butler. Although Tim Curry as a butler in Clue is amazing. So there you go. The best yeah, I'm, I'm Wadsworth. Damn it! Exactly. Okay, well, fair enough then. My original thing as a bit of a joke was going to be I'm going to put uh, a cinema, I'm going to put like Roger Deakins and four actors, and I'm going to say, right, what, what are you going to serve them? Poison. And then I'm going to say, if you want the fucking antidote, you have to be in my movie. <laughs> I thought, that's not how you form a good relationship. <laughs> but also, maybe that? Sure. <laughs> oh, well, why don't you give us your answer first, then, Matt? Oh, okay. So not poisoning people. No, my, mine's actually a genuine. Uh, Mine's basically five independent film directors of that I really, really like. And all of them I've said, oh, fuck, I wish I'd made this movie. Mm, interesting. And that's the highest credit I can give someone. It's like a, a genuine sense of envy and jealousy. Like, I can see how I could, not, not, not in an insulting way, but in, like, in a way of like, oh, I, I, I think I could have made this movie. I think I could have actually, you know, corralled the same things. And we're on the same wavelength not like saying, oh, I could have made Titanic. Fuck off. <laughs> You've never been on a big set like that, you <laughs> penis. But independent films, I think, that comes up very interesting storytellers and things like that. So my five, and they're not actors, they're all directors, um, although they would probably act, is Robert Eggers, James Gray, Tarsem Singh, Lulu Wang, Steve McQueen, and me. <laughs> Nothing worse than being the shit in the room. Um, just for a bit of a uh, Robert Eggers did The Witch in the Lighthouse and stuff. Uh, James Gray, Lost City of Zed, recently did Ad Astra. Uh, Tassim Singh, The Fall, uh, The Cell, Immortals, other bits and pieces. Lulu Wang did The Farewell recently, which is fucking amazing. Um, and Steve McQueen, obviously. Toffee is a Slave, Hunger, and all kinds of stuff. And I think it'd be really interesting. But I agree, the problem with this stuff is like the business meeting mindset, like the food. You're know, like, I've got a moustache. Eating is very uncomfortable and awkward. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like you over exaggerate the 
like inconvenience <laughs> that your moustache gives you. Have you, you? You've seen me eat. There's a reason it takes forever. Yeah, but I, uh, have, no, I have. No, no, no. See, Ashens and I have had this conversation because his girlfriend said, Stuart has a moustache and it doesn't really take him as much time. He doesn't have as many problems as you do, Matt. And Stuart just said, yeah, but mine doesn't go in my mouth. It's not like little tendrils like a, like a Cthulhu. And I said, yeah, that's true. Um, so that's the, it's the length that's the issue, as is always my problem. <laughs> I'm kidding. It gets trapped indoors. So uh, <laughs> basically, uh, the, the thing I would serve, and I don't know why I wrote this, but it feels appropriate. I know, I know why. There's there. one word why, Matthew. Milk. Milk. That's right. I'm inviting five Jason Derulos. <laughs> I'm inviting the principal cast of Cats. Yeah. Tom Hooper. Speaking of objectively bad, going back to the <laughs> original question, mm. Tom Hooper is an objectively bad director. <laughs> he basically doesn't know where nah. to point a camera. John Adams still looks good. Right. Um, You're in your fucking cereal. John I would serve. I would serve cereal. Of course you would. It's low maintenance. It's easy and it's quick and it's fast. When we're done with the cereal, we can just have like a normal conversation. All talk at great length. And then all talk about their amazing accomplishments and achievements. And I'll say, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate my job, but everything's fine. I look up to all of you. Yeah. And also, did you know that cereal was all poisoned? <laughs> be in my movie. <laughs> Make, how do I be you? Yeah, exactly. Tell me every step you took while coming up. So the, uh, again, it's just be, to be in the room. I mean, again, I've hosted a Q&A with Ian Softley and a Q&A with like Ben Wheatley and stuff. And they've been very interesting directors I had conversations with, which have been quite nice. But Wheatley and I discussed an old children's TV series in the 70s about a time loop. It was very interesting. And we talked about the idea of Martin Scorsese and a character hour and stuff. And it was all very cool. And that kind of, when, you, when you've done a few conversations with, in inverted commas, quite famous people, that facade drops quite quickly. You don't get the whole like, oh, 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 hi. But yeah, I think it'd be quite nice just to talk to those people and... Um, Hopefully they they get on with each other, I guess. That was part of my decision making, like who would get on with each other. I picked like three of my favorite directors, basically, and then tried to <laughs> fill out the rest. <laughs> you motherfucker. So, <laughs> <laughs> they're obvious ones if you know me and my tastes. Unsurprisingly, Alex Garland, the Annihilation guy, yep. the Dread guy. Yep. You know who you yep. know who I'm talking about. The the beach guy, I guess. He wrote, he wrote it, it, yeah. Um, Denis Villeneuve, the mm-hmm. Blade Runner 2049. The, the Denis Villeneuve guy. The Denis Villeneuve <laughs> guy. The upcoming Dunk. Dune director. <laughs> John Carpenter, legend. Yeah. The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China, etc., etc., etc. Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau, my other favourite writer director. <laughs> and a guy who's always been a man crush of mine, who I just like to hang out with and feel emasculated by it's uh <laughs> joe manganello like he's he's really cool and big and buff and really you could, t- you could talk D talk D and then feel emasculated <laughs> which is just what i need in my life. I, I had initially planned like uh like um adam driver and chris evans and stuff i thought i don't want to feel like the shittest guy in the room <laughs> <laughs> but you won't get trampled that's yeah fine. i mean like yeah having Chris Evans there and just be like, he seems like such a nice guy. And completing my uh, quintet, my favourite director, writer, actor, slash sequelizer. No, my my third favourite sequelizer, but my favourite writer and director. <laughs> Mr. Matthew Stockton. 
I'm not gonna lie. I'd like to. I, I feel like mostly it's me in the room, so I can talk the ears off of Garland, Villeneuve, and Carpenter while you try and fuck Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying. I'm not gonna fuck him. That's not the way that goes in prison rules. My He's friend. gonna fuck you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we see the size of that then. guy. What do you? What, what are we eating? We are going for my classic. I didn't go multiple courses. I'm not a multiple courses kind of guy. That's not really my vibe. A variety of pizzas. Because you can't sure. go wrong with pizza. Pizza is the best. Can I have milk with that? Absolutely not. <laughs> I'm not I'm I will respectfully decline. I'm swapping Chris, Chris Evans back in. I'll give him a call. Fine. Chris, you're back in. Pizza's on me, mate. <laughs> Why isn't Matt going? He's just in words of milk. He's what just waiting that? outside your house like a tag team member, just waiting exactly. for the... <laughs> I have heard people dipping pizza in milk. I don't dip it. I mean, I was like... At, at honest, Jack's birthday, Matthew. I ate an entire pizza with two pints of milk sat beside me and just cleaned it off. <laughs> He's, He's the, the slimmest synchronizer, folks. I don't know how that works, but uh, that's just facts. It's the fucking milk. Built on this metabolism of milk. <laughs> Go straight in your what, skin. What's the opposite of intolerance? Because you've got that for lactose. Just <laughs> addiction. <laughs> You're just fueled by lactose. Yes, it's like when a, uh, your your uh, your old phone or laptop starts saying eleven percent, two percent, one percent. Fuck, fuck, fuck! Get some milk in me. <laughs> I went for again, just kind of a, a a mix of people who I think would make for an interesting evening. Nice. Um, so Ryan Johnson, yeah, a director and writer I greatly admire, did Brick and Looper and a little film called The Last Jedi. <laughs> Knives, Knives out. out. Yeah. Uh, Catherine Bigelow, I think, would be a, a really interesting person to talk to. Uh, about uh, James Cameron. Well, I mean that that is that is one of the things. Obviously, she's an amazing filmmaker in her own right. Course, Did Near Dark and Zero Dark Thirty and The Hurt Locker. Yeah, yeah. And Point Break, but also yeah, get some real good James Cameron gossip after a few glasses of wine. Hopefully, I think I think and then this is uh, this is going to cause a lot of waves. I think she might be a better director than James Cameron. Whoa. I, he's a good I, event I, director. He's a yeah. good spectacle, but she's a better overall director. I, 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 think I, I was speaking to executive producer Jonathan Firth Clark about this the other day. Mm. It sounded like mm. Cameron is so weird because he's directed like a handful of films in his entire career. Yeah. And then mm. suddenly goes, right, time for seven Avatar films. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's more films than you've ever made in your entire life. Right? Like, well, yeah, but also, the ones I make are really successful. Like, mm, some of them are, James. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also think True Lies is quite shit. Moving on, moving on, moving on. Moving on. Who's the other picks? Greta Gerwig. Nice, yeah. Nice. She'd she's be awesome. really fun. Keanu Reeves, just because he's yes. the nicest guy. I love movies. <laughs> Cinema. <laughs> no, you're a brush. I love movies. I hate Dogs. <laughs> That's a surprise, Keanu. Yeah, no, he's just he's he's the he's the celebrity who no one seems to have a bad story about. And so yes, yes. Every 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 the, interaction just seems Dave to be wonderful. Of the film world. Yes. Yeah. I've got a similar look with the long hair and the beard. Yeah. I was about to say something, but I think that's a spoiler, so I won't say anything. 
And then I invited Natalie Dormer, because fuck you guys, I'm single and I'm going to shoot my shot. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you're going to shoot your shot? Is that what's being served for dinner, Tim? (laughs) Fucking hell. Is this a fight club moment? It's, what is it? Cream of mushroom soup. Emphasis on the cream, you know what I mean? It's like, thank you. And a side of extra large Savloy. It's Gillian Anderson, but she's dressed as Margaret Thatcher, so I'm very confused. Uh, and no, I came up with a with a full menu. Uh, oh no, no, I believe of you course did. you did, believe... Tim. Of course you did. You're the best. For starters, it'd be a, a hot smoked salmon salad. Ugh. For main, risotto, bacon risotto. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm bacon assuming. Risotto. Every... Yeah, interesting. I wonder if there are vegetarians in there. I, I, I'm assuming no one is. <laughs> well, they won't be by the Thanks. time they're done. I, I could I could make allowances, but you know. If I could make allowances. <laughs> Natalie Dorman says, I'm sorry, I don't eat meat. Mm. <laughs> mm. <sighs> I'm sorry, Natalie, that's a bit of a sorry. Yeah, you're out. Matt Stockton's in. <laughs> Yay, I'm everywhere. I'm eating everyone's food. This is fantastic. Funny story, I've just come from another party. Uh, <laughs> Chris Evans showed up and kicked me out, so I guess I'm stuck with you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then cheesecake for dinner. Nice. Uh, for Flavor dessert, you should take. New York style cheesecake? Uh, yeah, vanilla. Fair enough. Cool. So that's yeah, that's my dinner party. They all sound good. The question I think that isn't there is where are we hosting this shit? Because it's not going to be my house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just in my flat. Right? What can possibly go wrong? An orgy. I have that's four chairs. Go wrong. And there's f- f- six people. <laughs> I bet I'll be fucking standing. You're standing. <laughs> You're sat on my sofa drinking milk like you usually do when you come to my flat. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> just <laughs> hurling abuse from the side. Exactly. Phil Nerve. How many Dunes films are you doing? Phil. Villeneuve. <laughs> Can't do a French Oh, hey. Dennis. Carpenter, wake up. Wait, tell Villeneuve to, to say hello. <laughs> God, I'm awful. Anyway. I'm not like that parties at all. No, you're not, Andrew. You're, you're, you're fine. Reserved. Yes, you are. Another one from the Discord from my friend Chandler, a.k.a. Melancholy, but his surname is oh. Melon, spelt slightly differently, so it's a little... A little I, I thought that was a uh, potentially a Smashing Pumpkins reference. Oh, I thought it was a Lord of the Rings reference. Or Malone Choli. So <laughs> when, when I used to podcast with Chandler, I did I gave him the nickname of Chandler Speak Friend and Enter. Nice. Because <laughs> 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 it is spelt the same as the Elvish word sure. for friend. What is the best cold opening to any movie that immediately comes to mind for you guys? And there is one, and I don't Remember if it's any good, and I rewatched it in preparation for this, and it's fine. <laughs> if you say cold open, I think the big avalanche snowmobile chase in a view to a kill for some reason, and that always mm. comes to mind, and I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe that's the first one I experienced, and subconsciously my brain's <laughs> like, it has to be a view to a kill, right? Like, yeah. I, ca- I cannot the, remember that. The I key wording been. was immediately comes to your mind. Yeah, exactly. The the first one that I thought of that 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 jumped out as like, oh, that's you know, if you if you said like, what's a great cold open, uh, Thor Ragnarok, mm. uh, with him uh, facing off with Serta, which I love because it's it's a perfect little opening. Like, here's where you are. Like, here's what Thor's been up to. Cold open that also ends up coming back right at the end of the movie and being really important and yet doesn't seem it for the majority of it. Spoilers for Thor Ragnarok, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's a three-year-old film at this point, isn't it? 
mine always comes to mind immediately, even though I know it's really very much a rehash of other things that have done it better in the past. But it does. It, I don't know why, but it does come to mind. Uh, it's a start from Dust of Dawn. Mm, that's it's a very long, open track of road in, uh, in, in the south. And this cop car pulls in, um, and there's just a very calm, natural conversation. It's just very almost mundane and, and, and kind of boring. And that's the whole point, letting your guard down, a very Tarantino thing to do in a Rodriguez kind of film. And then all of a sudden, you find out the situation is not what you think it is, and it's like, why the fuck are these people still here as, as these two criminals come out with two hostages and the guns there and stuff like that. It's, it's, you suddenly, you're like, what you first perceive one seemed to be like this really calm, almost Coen Brothers style, very simple desert uh, pacing, shall we say. And then it goes, oh no, there's actually a really thing going on here. Oh, it's mm. really intense. Okay, fine. And then it's like, get them out of here right now or things are going to kick off. You be cool, that kind of shit. It's just, it's just nicely shot. Very, And then the, the whole scene dynamic comes back where the cop comes back and suddenly you think, actually, it's not what I first inter- saw interpreted. So I like that kind of stuff and I think it's just one that stuck in my head from when I was, shit, I don't know, 17, 18 when I first saw it. I thought, ooh, that's, that's cool. But as I say, there's lots of different versions of the same thing. Peter Randall uh, asked via Twitter... Uh, thanks for an enjoyable season of prequelizers. Are there any films or series of films you feel are calling out for a prequel? Mm, calling out keywords. I'm going to jump on this one. Jump on this hot prequel grenade. <laughs> and say, no. Because <laughs> I think nine times out of ten, prequels are a bad idea. And we encountered yeah. this quite a lot when we were writing them. We've talked about this extensively, so I won't go on about it, but... Sure, sure. The fact that you know where all the characters end up just just hampers the storytelling in a way that just doesn't allow you to explore the world or the characters in a, in a as interesting a way as you could do if you just did something completely different. I think prequels are now being relied on too much as as well as like remakes and stuff like that because it just plays on the nostalgia of like, oh yeah, we've got Silence of the Lambs. Let's do a prequel. Like, n- no. Put put young something in in front of that character. <laughs> Sherlock Young, whatever. It's like okay, sure. Young Mister Magoo. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Back when he could see. We, we, when we get a thing called Miyagi, and it's the origin story. It's like the opposite of Cobra Kai. It's the flashback. Yeah, to he's like as a young man, which he literally tells us about in a monologue in the first. <laughs> That's not enough. We need to see a trilogy of films with Jackie Chan <laughs> playing him. Oh wait, we got that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think prequels are generally a terrible idea and you really, really struggle to make them work in a, in a sensible way for most good films. Take the thing, for example, just as a, yeah. <laughs> as a, as a thing that was stuck in my brain from one of my most difficult writing sessions, but <laughs> that's a film you just don't want to do a prequel to. And there are so many other ways of exploring that world and those characters and that universe that you make it so much more interesting the worst idea is to go back and be like well how did the alien get there and be like oh fuck um i don't it doesn't matter doesn't shut up <laughs> so no in general i'm against the concept of prequels as a whole yeah i i, I would agree i think unless you go in with an intention to make like you you deliberately you make a film with the knowledge kind of i mean in a way that star wars did that you know that you're going to be going back in time and exploring other stuff if you do if you do that if you have intention as you're going in 
to go back in time, then you can set up some interesting stuff. But I think the bolting a prequel onto something that doesn't that was never made with that in mind is almost always a bad idea. The the sort of semi exception. I would like to see more period stuff done in the MCU mm. um, and yeah, to yeah. see some more like interesting stories and use that as an excuse to diversify the filmmaking a little bit. I'm not sure like wh- which particular characters I'd pick out and go like, oh, this is the, you know, I want to see a, a gritty 70s Moon Knight or whatever, but, you I know. Mean, it, um, we got the Agent Carter series, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, they didn't. They didn't do nearly no, enough with that. No. But I think I think that I think there's an interesting opportunity there. But that even that's not really prequel. It's just it exists in a certain universe. It's a sequel to Captain America. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I agree with Jack. Prequels are generally a bad idea. I mostly agree. Children and AI. No, um, <laughs> um, I, I think I, I wanted to have an answer, basically. So I, I had a long struggle to think of one. I think there are ways to do prequels, providing the universe requires it, like the MCU or Star mm-hmm. Wars, for example. There's enough there you can just separate yourself and go to something that's different. And you can do something interesting because it's so big and vast. One could argue the Mandalorian is a prequel indirectly because of the universe. And because of that, you're like, you could well, argue that yeah. it's also a sequel, like you just said about how agent cards <laughs> well yeah that, yes so my apologies yes exactly yeah but also you can argue that godfather part two is part prequel that's again you get into the territory of are you talking extended flashback and that's a very different thing so so yeah i would also say my opinion of the best prequel product in my opinion is probably the animatrix second renaissance whatever it's called mm. i i really like that animated thing that's that's a genuinely good prequel to the matrix that's fantastic Um, But if I had to come up with one just to have an answer, I came up with Ghost in the Shell. You have the standalone complex animated TV series, which is basically um, (laughs) set in literally, I think, uh, in between, during, maybe a little bit after uh, Ghost in the Shell itself. But it's a little bit parallel along the universe kind of thing. Uh, And you've got the sequel film. But a prequel talking about how the world is sort of almost between where we are now and a world where upgrades are in our heads is so close because Ghost in the Shell's always been, you know, just just at the the the, the plausible end of sci-fi, a bit like Blade Runner. Um it's like, oh well, you know, in the future we'll have all these augmented body parts that will be just fused into this network. And you're like, whatever, sci-fi nonsense. And you're like, we literally have a phone on our in our hands almost all the time. Just make the difference that it's in your skin. That's the only thing I'm changing or upgrading. That it's, you know, Google glasses or Google lens that works that kind of thing it's like give me a a prequel universe that's not our own and not the fully developed it's everywhere just a bit of a transitionary oh god Mm. we we have problems here i think that'd be interesting to explore uh especially from a police procedural point of view do you carry on as a police procedural maybe the units or do you alternatively do it as just a world building thing but that's again i don't actively need that i don't definitely don't think it's calling out for a prequel i mostly agree with you guys um but just have an answer that's my answer and our last question of the day comes from the Discord again. This is from Zombie Dave. You're each given a $150 million, no, pound, sorry. Pound, <laughs> Just like Important distinction. $220 million. $200 million, million yeah. Uh, at present, pre, pre no deal. Present. I mean, in about <laughs> six months, it'll be about $100 million. Move the decimal point all yeah. the way to the end. 
We have a £1.50 budget. Oh, um, yeah, so £150 million budget. Which of your sequelized or prequelized, which is an interesting thing there, we just say sequelized or prequelized, but sure. Yeah, uh, movies, yeah, the, the, do you the choose... The verb is to sequelize, just to let you know. Yeah. And for future yeah. reference. <laughs> yeah. Sequelized or prequelized um, movies, do you choose to greenlight into production? Jack, what are you uh, birthing? Cats? Yes, made mostly cats. <laughs> I'm picking Tom Hooper's cats, and I want to just. Oh wait, no, we didn't sequelize the trilogy. Or so, shit, sorry. Trilogy of the cats movies. Me? <laughs> I would be on the set if there's milk, but there's not. It's just like <laughs> cheers or something. Probably just Jason Derulo's cheers everywhere. Ugh. I want to make the Logan film we talked about, the Wolverine film that I pitched and then you guys added to and kind of sculpted sure. and perfected having Mangold do a trilogy in that way and actually give him the budget and the means to do the first film properly in my opinion have it be my Logan Origins film basically mm -hmm. have that work and that would fix so many problems in that fucking universe because <laughs> as I said first the X-Men Origins Wolverine <laughs> movie is objectively bad and I think this film would be considerably better, as we talked about on the episode when we did it on prequelizers. Of, mm. of my personal films, from, from what I've written, that would be the one I'd like to see the most and I think would have the most positive impact going forward and would be the most satisfying for me if I was some kind of, like, you know, out-of-the-time-loop <laughs> objective observer guy where I'm like yes I did Watu? I did yeah I'm the, I'm the watcher basically being like yes I see that James Mangold's career has gone from strength to strength you're welcome James like <laughs> yeah and they didn't do a bunch of shitty prequels I mean with 150 million pounds well you could have really fucking good CGI bear look polar bear is gonna look amazing it's gonna all look those, fucking, all those uh, the revenant all those dead wolves amazing or there's mm. dead baby wolves, even better. <laughs> Wolverine's dick. Oh yeah, we're getting we're getting some prime 150 million dollar Jackman penis. Not just a, <laughs> a load of socks in a sock stitched onto <laughs> some underwear. No, that's, like, how oh, that them, that's how I'm making the polar bear. <laughs> <That's sick. laughs> it's it's all socks. Play. Yeah, all socks. Tough polar bears don't look like polar bears on film. You've just got to make them out of socks. Exactly. By the way, the reason I mention that is because uh, I seem to recall in primary school, this isn't like a horrifying story, don't worry. Uh, in primary school, it's like, oh, you know, I think I've seen like, where, oh, everybody has to play like dogs or some shit, like 101 Dalmatians kind of thing. And it's like, well, you put socks in socks and it makes it look like dog's ears. And you're like, fucking dogs are you been looking at? <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> like two horrible dreads on your head. So yeah, Logan Origins is my pick for my, my own film to fund. Hmm. Good shout. Having just railed against prequels, if I had a, a bigger budget, Ooh. 150 million is not enough for me. Uh, if Ooh, I had a bigger budget, fucking greedy little bastard, I would. I would actually like to see Matt's Founders trilogy. Oh, um, Hogwarts, the Hogwarts, yeah, the Hogwarts yes, yes, ones. Yeah, uh, yeah certainly a, not even close. Yeah, a far better alternative to the fucking Fantastic Beasts film. As as we don't have that that amount of money to just spaff uh, at these these films, I've gone for you know, I forgot the kids. My honey, I blew up the kid. It's one of my alternate yours, Tim, for sure. I agree. Version. I, I remember you hearing something. This is a fantastic picture. One I really really liked a lot. Um, 
I gelled with it. I loved it. And I wanted to, I was like, I, I feel annoyed we don't have it. So I agree with that. It's entirely. one of those. I know the listeners have said <laughs> that sometimes like, oh, you know, it's a really good episode when you're kind of, bro- your heart is broken at the end that it doesn't <laughs> exist. And we did get the, the real life version. And I think a lot mm. of people and Matt and I included said that after mm. your honey, I forgot the kids pitch. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, either either it gets made in the past and we have that as an extant thing, or given that they seem to be trying to reboot that franchise, yeah, Disney, yeah, yeah. I'm here, I'm willing oh. to sell out. <laughs> What's that, that Patrick H. Willems line? Yeah. I'm happy to sell out already. I'm happy to sell out. I'm yeah. eager to. Yeah, so yeah, I I I, mm. I was very pleased with uh, that and, and how it was received. So which is By the way, nice. Who's to say we haven't already done some time traveling in the future? gone back and ensured that some of your favorite movies are in fact your favorite. by the way empire strikes back you're fucking welcome yeah <laughs> you don't know how bad it was <laughs> it was all you think fucking... lawrence kazdan's a real man no yeah. it's the no. three of us in a trench coat <laughs> sat on each other's very shoulders. very tall man <laughs> the dark knight they were originally gonna go with fucking calendar man in that shit <laughs> Hallel and a man. It was Dark Knight versus Superman. Speaking of which, I saw a brief or like audition screen test for Killian Murphy's Batman when he because he originally auditioned. Ooh, for yeah, he was. Yeah, real weird. Real yeah. weird. Yeah, the cheekbones are just too much. He's yeah, just mm. overwhelming. He, 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 I, I I can't see him as a. He's he's even more cheekbony than Pattinson. Yeah, it's like the oh, screen yeah, test a, for a lot more than Pattinson. Yeah, yeah, the screen test for um Tom Hiddleston as Thor. Ugh. Yeah, oh, it's so weird. Because when we yeah. were again, I mentioned this in, a pre- in so, the Shakespeare episode recently. He's so gangly, you kind of a yeah. Because he was like, <laughs> he was like, I'm actually blonde, and we had Dio's hair, and and you know Hemsworth's a bit brown hair, but he had to dye it blonde. And oh, we we're laughing about this sort of stuff. Like, oh. Yeah, and he said it's weird because I audi- and, he, and he said to the room, and I auditioned for Thor. And as I said at the time in the episode, these weren't big actors. We're like, oh, they're cool. They're just these nice people. It seems like you know we saw some clips, and it was very funny. And it was actually everyone in the room was disappointed that Kenneth Branagh hadn't turned up because there was a rumor he was going to be there. And he said, like, sent a letter that was read out by the guy from Empire saying, oh, I, I, will, I sent you this across the nine realms and I'm very fortunate, but my, <laughs> my two friends here, Chris and, and Tom, will give you all this. I don't know who the fuck these people are. No one, <laughs> no one knew how big that was going to be. Anyway, my one is also a prequel, despite my despising of prequels. <laughs> and, and it sounds so self-aggrandizing and so vainglorious to say this, but I don't care. We've all we've all picked our own films, so it doesn't. <laughs> no, no one has no one has gone that like, oh, I really true. liked Matt's work there. No. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of thought that was the point of the question. So you know, yeah, <laughs> it does say all of your movies. So I, yeah, I, I must admit, I did the same way, but yeah. The, yeah, just just we could have not done it. Yeah, no, I, I I remember when the moment clicked for me when I was doing the Zulu Dawn, and I thought it had to be Steve McQueen directing. And from there I went, shit, I fucking, we kind of need this film. I, I, I remember you having that revelation. I remember reading your pitch mm. and us discussing it. And I, I think I either didn't know the director or we were talking about it beforehand or whatever it was. Yeah. And instantly it was like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this kind of, uh, I'm doing it, like we're, we're making it now, not yes. back in the day mm. and all that kind of stuff. I was like. Well, it's going to be Steve McQueen, right? It has to be. <laughs> it has to be Steve McQueen. And you're like, and my director is Steve McQueen. I was like, yes! You're damn right it is, man. Good choice. Yeah. That is yeah. the right call. That is genuine film. I'm like, I kind of still hope we get this kind of story at some point. We, I mean, let me just point this out. 
uh, because of the the BFI London Film Festival stuff and Steve McQueen putting push for like we need more of these stories, we need more uh black you know black British people, but also just black people in general and other uh, ethnicities and and BAME individuals and stuff. The idea that we need more stories from around the world in more prominent mainstream stuff, which we all fully support and agree with. Obviously, we're not fucking monsters here, um, although there are a lot of wankers out there. Black Lives but Matter, etc. We've been pretty outspoken of on course, this subject. <laughs> entirely, entirely. Um, but I do think there is going to be a lot of cinema, and there deservedly should be a lot of cinema, talking about European colonialism. Mm. Honestly. Not in that sense of like, well, there were a lot of good guys. And it's, it's always the kind of like, how do we tell a story about the... Uh, it's not the Donald Trump approach. The one good white guy the one in good this story. What did I do to tell about the LA riots? Well, we should have had a good cop. It's like, all guy realizes on the right side. No, 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 no. Stop right there. It's very... It, I, I can see what you're doing. I know why you're doing it. Stop. Um, so I do think we need a lot of that sort of stuff. I think it's coming. I'm not sure how it's going to be to start with. I think there's going to be a weird transition where you're like, we're going to have some really creepy, uncomfortable, colonial, t- you know, really, really show the hard truths. Like 12 Years a Slave, but, but, but you know, mm. obviously with, with, with colonial effect rather than slavery in, in, in the southern states of America. Cool, cool, cool. Who are you going to get? We're going to get Johnny Depp and he's going to do a crazy voice. And you're like, oh, <laughs> oh fucking hell. God. And it's like, I, I don't know if that's the right choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be great. Um, so, that yeah, Zululand, my, my Zululand pitch, I really, really mm. wish I could have seen that. <laughs> we may yet we may yet it's maritime and with those our selections that wraps us up for this rendition of listener questions aka listener feedback aka Q&A whatever you want to call it aka sequelizers on trial pretty much yeah <laughs> in the hot seat uh, we, we, we're occasionally in the hot seat on like Twitter and, and the Discord and stuff people like Hey, why did you do this? I just thought it was a good casting. No, no, why did you do this? I just thought it was good casting. I mean, that happens if we mention Johnny Depp, basically. Johnny fucking Depp. Those fans are rabid. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, and we've already mentioned them on the show, but our executive producers, all three of them have submitted questions, and we didn't give them a round of applause earlier, so why not give them a round of applause now? Our first submitted question was from... Jonathan Firth Clark. Clap, 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 clap. And of course, Mike Salvia. Clap, 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 clap. And last but not least, Arkham Fright, as he's known on Discord, Stuart Main. Clap, 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 clap. Thank you very much for your support. We will have potentially some new executive producers coming up soon for season seven because Ooh. We might be uh, shifting a few things around on the old Patreon, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, mm. we've got a few more weeks of interseason, and then we'll be back with some sequelizing goodness. But until then, you've got about three or four weeks more of the interseason stuff. And I'd like to thank you very much for listening. 